Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, I love the new shirt. Thank you. Yeah, we're doing a lot. It's box war. They, they make good stuff. They're, they're makers of uh, athletic wear in London. They're moving to New York. That's the plan. But they had reached out to me to do a line, a uh, Teddy Atlas line, I guess, uh, with Box Raw, it's going to be called the 36 line. This is the first uh, example of what it'll look like, or at least what the T-shirts. There's going to be hoodies. There's going to be other stuff, sweatpants, shorts. It's 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 a good line. They they really make good stuff, and I'm very um, honored that they asked me to to do a line with them. It'll be called the 36 line because that's what I often say or used to say on ESPN, and and you hear me say it here a lot. 36 minutes to make life fair. You know, if life's treated you unfairly, uh, 36 minutes to championship distance, and it's in your control. Life uh, can be the way you want it to be. We always have control over our choices. So anyway, this is it. It's going to be other stuff. You'll be wearing it soon. We'll, we'll get your size and Rob's size. And um and maybe we'll even put some of those guys behind you. I don't know. <laughs> it looks great. What's it say on the back? 36. Here. Oh, yeah. That looks great. Yeah, I'm not LeBron James. Um, oh, I don't know what his number was. He he wore 23, I think. Um, 23? Yeah, because he I think he wore the same number as Michael Jordan, I believe. Um Although Michael Jordan had two numbers, right? He had 23, but then when he went away for that period where he played baseball and he came back, I think he had a different number. Yes, I think you're right. But I don't remember what the number was, but I know he wore two different numbers. Well, I'm number 36 anyway. <laughs> and you're going to be number 36 too. So Excellent. Well, speaking of making life fair, one guy who took advantage of the opportunity to make life fair and... Um, Kind of write some of the last uh, the controversies from his last fight was Jamel Herring in action this weekend against uh, Carl Frampton. Um, big stoppage win for Jamel Herring to get back on the winning track. Um, I know you had a lot of thoughts about this one. I saw you on Twitter. Um, talk to me about the fight and what it means for Jamel Herring and his legacy and his confidence going forward. You know, you started perfectly, Ken. Um, it was more than keeping his title a lot more it was a lot more than that and uh before i go into it i just want to make a mention a little different than i normally would do here you know we concentrate obviously on boxing but sometimes there's parallels from other vocations other sports you know other places where the things that i talk about quite often that are special that are consistent needs to be great in the sport you know uh whether it's mma whether it's boxing uh that show themselves eventually for the great ones some of that was shown saturday night in the semifinal basketball game between ucla and gonzaga i know a lot of people are going to say wow we're talking about basketball ted listen it was a fight. It wasn't a basketball game. I want to make that very clear. And and it's consistent with my philosophy. When, when I first started this podcast with Ken, 
the first day, I remember when Ken said, what do you hope to get out of it? I said, I hope I can connect the dots from life through boxing. And that from the first day has really been my thought. Uh, that Because life's a fight. Life is a fight. It's just a matter of what you're fighting for. And Saturday night you saw that. It, it, it transcended physical things. It did. It did. It, really, it, it was no longer about just who shot the ball better or who dribbled the ball better and who rebounded. Yeah, all those physical things always there. But it was about more. It became about more than that. It was about character. It was about will. It was neither team wanted to lose. And it was about reminding us teaching us really what it takes to be great, to be completely committed to something, not just technically and physically, but mentally, to be willing to go into the fire. Yeah, willing to go into the fire. And that's what I saw. And I just had to, I just had to mention it because I always say, you know, like I say, the metaphor for life is boxing. Um, this was a great example where Gonzaga's undefeated. They're trying to be the only team to win the national title undefeated since 1976, 45 years ago. I think that was Bobby Knight's team, actually. And um, it was about seeking greatness because to do that, you have to be great. I mean, that's a great accomplishment. And they were going to some Somewhere along the line, just like we are in life and, and fighters are, before you got to that place to be able to say, yeah, you're the greatest team maybe of all time, you're, you're the undefeated, you're, before you're a world champion, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. It's going to come. And it came. It came. The character and soul of these teams would need to withstand the fire that I touched on earlier. And it did. I mean, they're going to wind up playing tonight for the title versus Bella. Tremendous team, too. But Saturday night, they had to win and get there. And they had to show what greatness looks like. They won a fight. And won with talent, grit, heart, resiliency, and character. Both teams were great. I want to salute them. I want to thank them for showing us what greatness looks like. It was Ali Frazier 3. It was the drill in Manila. I mean, that's, I know without the physical punching and all that, but you don't have to physically hit somebody to test somebody, to, to take them to a deep place, to take them to a, a dangerous place, a place where they're threatened, where they're threatened not just physically, but emotionally that everything that matters to them is is on the line. It transcends it transcends physical talent. It went to those higher altitudes where I often talk about it, Ken, where the air is thin and to exist there you need to expand the capacity of your lungs to take in oxygen. You need to tap into that extra tank called just will. Will and character, fortitude. And while you're doing it, you need to believe. 
to know that you can and will not only breathe it, but use it to win it. Uh, we see it in fighters, whether boxing, MMA, and at times we see it where a different kind of fight takes place. But each time you see it, you recognize for what it is. It's greatness. It translates across all spectrums of competition, uh, where you push to the brink, where you're challenged, no, actually, where you're threatened. You're actually threatened with defeat. It goes back to our very primal beginnings, I believe, where, where man's call to arms was brutal yet simple and basic to our survival. Either you conquer or you conquered. That, that's, these guys didn't want to lose. They, they didn't want to be conquered. I mean, I know it ended with that half-court shot or almost half-court shot, but the plays before that, it's like each team, each player, each coach was playing not to die. I know that's, that's tough to hear, but it was like they were playing not to die. That that part in them, that competitive part, that part in them that, that just had to conquer, that they bought into, that they gave to so freely, that they committed to, not to die, not to die. I mean, the one moment it looked like UCLA is going to win the game. And they're coming down to go up, I believe, by four. And they're coming down to dunk the ball. All of a sudden, guy comes out of nowhere, and he, and he blocks the dunk. And then they shoot it right down, they tie the game up, down to the other end. And then one of their best players, Gonzaga, I don't remember his name, but he's got four fouls on him. And... Again, it looks like UCO is going to go ahead now and secure the game. And he takes a chance. He steps into the lane, takes a charge. It was real close, but it was a charge. He gets dropped to the floor. And they get the ball back. They come back. They score. And then UCO comes right back. Just like Ali Frazier. Back and forth. Unbelievable. Like a fight. I mean, and then all of a sudden, UCOA with 3.3 seconds goes ahead. And no timeouts left. They take the ball out. Gonzaga goes down. And they take that shot. And they make it. I, uh, wow. It's everything we talk about. It's connecting the dots. You know. To whatever you fight for. So I had to start with that. And thanks for allowing me to bear with me to do that. And then as far as Herring and Frampton. Um, as I said. You, you set it up perfect. It, it it was about the last fight. It wasn't about this fight. It was about redeeming himself, redemption. Redemption is powerful. It's very powerful. It means more than a title. His title means a lot. Herring, man's an ex-Marine, uh, Olympian. Uh, he, he's a good human being. But the fight before this fight, Ken, he got caught up in one of those situations where you get tested that we're talking about, right? And and more than your ability gets tested. Your inner core gets tested. And he got tested. And he he got head-butted. Uh, he was bleeding. Uh, it was a tough fight. Oh, it was against, I believe, Akendo, right? Jonathan Akendo, yep. And it was a tough fight. It was a tough fight. And it was going down the stretch, to the championship stretch, the championship rounds, right? Where it's all about. And suddenly... He said he couldn't go on. And 
the referee stopped it. They named it a DQ. There's a lot of controversy because, you know, if it was a headbutt after four rounds, they should have went to the scorecards if you couldn't go on. And then it becomes a technical decision. Whoever's ahead wins. But you know how boxing is. You know how these, who knows? Who knows? But they, all of a sudden, they, they, he says he can't go on and tells the referee he can't go on because of the headbutt, because of the blood, whatever. And now, instead of stopping it way back when it's, happen now they're going to stop it with a kendall coming on with it being a tough fight and a lot of people and they stopped it and a lot and uh and frampton i mean um uh having won by dq he keeps his title a lot of people knocked him ken we talked about it on air but a lot of people went after him and said you know you didn't behave like a fighter you didn't behave like a champion you shouldn't have won it that way you know so this fight, he felt all that. He understood all that. He understood what was in the balance. He understood what was on the line here. This is a Marine. This is a, this is a man of character. And he understood this was about redemption. This was about getting rid of that. what happened in that last fight and making it right. This was about him. This was about pride. This was about living the way he wants to live and feel the way a man like that wants to feel while living. Not just saying he has a title, but knowing he has a title, the real title, the title of behaving like a champion when the moment comes to behave like a champion. And wouldn't you know it, fate as it is, the, the, the fickle finger of fate, wouldn't you know it, that it sets up perfectly. He gets headbutted again. He's bleeding again. <laughs> Unbelievable. You can't draw this stuff up. I mean, I wish Hollywood was as good at setting up these scripts. They're not. But it, w it was unbelievable. They, he, he's cut. He's bleeding. Same thing. And what does he do? He knows what to do. Fight, man. Fight. Fight. And be a champion. And he was. He could I talk about geography. He he controlled geography. The geography for the fight to break it down was for him to control the outside. He's taller, he's longer. Control the One thing I gotta say, gotta say, uh, we always say full disclosure when we're wrong. Always. I always start to show full I was wrong about that. Again, got lucky again, but we touched on the fight in our last in our last podcast, after the Ngannou, Ngannou, Francis Ngannou win over Miocic, um, we we talked about it only about two minutes. Ken, you had brought it up. We were we did we concentrated on the UFC. Obviously, we concentrated on the Povetkin White fight. But just for like two minutes, we said Frampton's coming up with uh, you know with the fight against. Uh, against Herring on the weekend, Teddy, what, you know, and I, I just gave a real quick overview. Uh, and I remember saying, yeah, you got the more physical guy in Frampton. And again, if we have to, we could go to the videotape the way Waterwolf <laughs> used to say, go to the videotape. But it's there. I said, uh, Frampton's going to fight the more physical fight. He's going to try to get in. Uh, Herring's going to fight on the outside, try to control the geography of the outside. And Frampton better look out for the uppercut of, of Herring because he's got a damn good uppercut. You don't even see a beautiful, smooth delivery. Bang! We got one right because he, he stopped him with the uppercut. 
But getting back to breaking the fight down, he controlled geography beautifully. Uh, he he understood how to use his height and reach advantage. He knew how to fight tall. As I used to always say on ESPN, corner fights, some people are tall, but they don't know how to fight tall. He knew how to fight tall. And I got to give credit to his new team of trainers, McIntyre uh, and those guys that are with Crawford. A brilliant job. You know, trainers make a difference. Ken, they're proof of it. Good trainers, good trainers. Good trainers make a difference. He's improved. He has gotten better, uh, Herring. And he showed it. I, I even see a little bit. I don't want to go crazy. Here. People go say, what are you, drinking something? But I, I see Bud Crawford rubbing off on him, being in camp with him and with his guys. I see some of the tendencies of Bud Crawford he, uh, are starting to show a little bit. Uh, he looked brilliant. Herring was was great. He redeemed himself. He was fighting two fights. He was fighting a fight against Frampton, a fight against Herring uh, from the from the last fight, the left the leftover, the remnants, the ghosts to get chased chase those ghosts and exercise those ghosts from his belfry. He was fighting that fight too, and I love the way that he used his jab, the way that he. When, when it was time to take a step back, he took a step back, created holes, created traps, you know. He had a better game plan, much better game plan than Frampton. Frampton didn't look like he had a fight plan to me, Ken. Frampton looked like he, he just showed up to fight. He knew he wanted to get close. He knew sometimes you're going to throw right hands because against the southpaw, which Herring's the southpaw, you, you look for right hands. He knew he wanted to try to get to the body, but but he was just attacking in spots. He It didn't look like he had a real thought-out fight plan. It looked like Herring did. Herring right from the beginning. And first thing I said, you know, if I was calling the fights, first thing I would have jumped on was he knows how... Frampton is not fighting a southpaw the right way. With a southpaw, you're the orthodox fighter. You're supposed to put your left foot outside his front lead right foot and move to your left so you get a better angle for the jab. And you stay away from his power, his backhand, his left hand. You move to your left away from that power. He didn't do that. He moved the opposite way. He moved to his right into the power, and he paid for it. He paid for it all night, getting hit with left hands. Matter of fact, he got dropped in the fifth round with the left hand, and then he got finished with the uppercut, as they said, in the sixth round. So he was moving the wrong way all night. And as soon as the fight started, I get a feeling who's in charge sometimes. And right away, I, I said, I made a note to myself, Herring's in charge. You know why, Ken? One reason, one thing. He was snapping the jab while Frampton was pushing it. I said, he's in charge right there, just that. Just that, so that's all I need to. That's all I need to know. I'm not a forensics expert, you know. I don't do CCI. What's that? CSI, whatever that that shows CCI. Uh, but that's all I needed to see to break down the forensics of the fight, you know, to X-ray the fight. I I saw I saw uh, Frampton doing this, pouring like he's not sure of himself, and I see the other guy go bang, bang, bang. He's in charge. And the reason why he was in charge was he was moving as a southpaw to his right out where he could get good position for the jab. And Frampton, as I said, was moving the wrong way. He wasn't stepping to his left outside the lead foot of the southpaw. So he didn't feel comfortable jabbing. And you're not going to feel comfortable if you don't move that way. He felt awkward. He felt unsure of himself. He felt unsafe. And so he was fighting unsafe. He was fighting unsure of himself. And it starts right there, right with the jab. Starts right there. 
You know, sometimes a doctor comes in the house, you know, and, and what's he do? He looks in your tonsil. He looks, ah, ah, you know, right? You go, ah, and he looks, right away he knows everything. He knows where it started, where the cold, where the virus started. Well, the same thing with a fighter. Right away I see where the virus started. I see him pushing the chair. Ah, there it is. Uh, he, he's got a virus. He's got a cold. He's unsure of himself. He, he, doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a set fight plan. He, he's not solid. And, and it, it, it showed throughout the fight. And I, listen, Frampton left his promoters, left his people over there in Europe, uh, across the pond, and he went with top rank. He, he never looked good when he got with top rank. I'm not saying it's top rank's fault, of course, but um, he never looked like the same fighter, the fighter that beat Santa Cruz. He he I, he was never the same fighter. He lost the rematch to Santa Cruz, but he seemed to decline. He seemed to dissipate and go downhill ever since that great win for him, and and more so, more and more, more and more, it seemed to speed itself up a little bit. And when he by the time he moved over to to top rank, I I remember there was a he had his debut fight on ESPN, and I I watched it and I said, he don't look good. He don't look good. He didn't have the toughest opponent. They gave him the the right guy, you know, to to because they wanted to get him, you know, started. They wanted to, you know, get him to the get him to the finish line. They wanted to get him to the title, so they gave him the the right guy. But even with the right guy, he didn't look good. He looked all over the place, unsure of himself, like he like he didn't know what his identity was anymore, and it followed through. I'm taking nothing away from Crawford and his people, uh, not Crawford, um, Herring and his people, with, with Crawford's people helping him. Uh, great job. Great job. Take nothing away. But he, I don't know if he looked like a shot fighter, whatever, but he didn't look like the same fighter, but Herring looked like a better fighter. Maybe that's a big part of it. It's interesting that you said all that because one of the things I was going to ask you after you gave a quick breakdown was, do you think that Herring looked really good or that Frampton looked really bad? Because my, again, I love Jamel Herring. I don't want to take anything away from him, but I thought the same thing that you're describing when I saw the fight. I'm like, man, Frampton looks terrible. He doesn't look the same. Like he was a world beater for a while. He looked unstoppable. And to your point, he seems to slowly decline, but he didn't, he really didn't look good at all in the ring. And I was curious to hear your thoughts, but I can't, there it is. Combination of Herring and looking good and, and, um, uh, and, um, Frampton in decline yeah, I, and I, retired after the fight. No, that's a good observation question on your part, but I think that's what it is and why I brought it up that way. And, you know, again, uh, great job by Herring and his people. Uh, he controlled geography. You know, when I talk about controlling geography and how important it is, you know, it, it's, it's tantamount in other places, in other sports, where... You could say in basketball that maybe you say this team needs to control the paint, you know, under the basket or in football, who controls the line of scrimmage is going to, you know, is going to control the geography of the game or, or in golf, who, who, who puts the best, you know, controls the greens. I mean, it, it, there is a parallel uh, with with that in from boxing to other places, to other vocations, to other, in this case, to other athletic ventures, to other sports. And Again, the taller, longer Herring, he he just he did everything, and um, he, he he every once in a while he would take a little step back, throw the counter right hook, 
uh, you know, make the guy pay a price for trying to get in. Uh, he he was really he was very impressive to me, and I, I think he's impressive as a human being too. And I sent a, as you touched on, I sent a tweet out, you know, congratulating him and saying that he did more than defend his title tonight. And he knew what I meant. He he, he sent something back saying thank you, but um, which I appreciate. But he, as I said, he defended himself. He defended himself, um, and he did a tremendous job of it. Uh, I I really I really. I really enjoyed it. As far as uh, Frampton, it's his last fight, I guess. He announced his retirement. Uh, so unless he changes his mind, that, that was his last fight. And, you know, I'll finish with him by saying when he left the McGuigans, you know, the McGuigans do a, do a big job over there in, 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 in Europe and Ireland across the pond. And when he left them, he went to court and he, he accused them of stealing money from him and all kinds of... It got ugly. It got ugly uh, over there. And uh, he came over here. He wound up signing with Top Rank. And, you know, they went their separate ways. And like I said, the McGuigans have been very big over there. They've done a really good job with their fighters uh, promoting them and training them. Uh, McGuigan's son has become their trainer. Uh, you know, you wonder... You wonder how much of it's physical and how much of it's psychological because Frampton looked like a guy who didn't enjoy fighting anymore. You know, you got to, I know it's tough to enjoy somewhere you get hit, but you still, you got to have that passion. You got to have that passion to be at that level. And maybe it was just all physical, but I always believed that a mental part of it is always part of it. Because mentally, 75% of this game is mental. So you wonder that after he went through that experience with the McGuigans over there, if he just didn't want to do it anymore. You know, you wonder. Yeah, if if yeah. he was so hurt or so disgusted or frustrated or or just angry or finished, finished with it, you know, that that he just didn't want to do it anymore. And and um the only reason I bring that up is partly because of the way he looked and the way he had been looking. And also because he obviously retired right afterwards, you know, um, which is the right thing to do if you if you don't feel you can perform at the whatever the reason. If you don't believe you can perform at the top level anymore, it's the right thing to do, obviously. But um, it was interesting. I, I just wonder if if part of it was that his experience, his the effect of that experience of just being finished and disgusted with the sport and like it. it he don't want to be part of it. it. It doesn't matter the way it used to matter. But at the end of the day, bravo to Herring and his people, uh, you know, it's, that he's got himself hooked up with Crawford's people. It's been really good for him. Uh, terrific job. And uh, I'll leave it to you. He was, uh, I really, I really, I really was impressed with, uh, with Herring. And he's going to, He's going to have to be that good. It's good that he's gotten better because he's going to have to be that good if he's going to go down that road that, that it looks like he's heading for the next challenges. 
Hey guys, want to take a quick pause to give a thank you to today's sponsor, Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. As I've said many times before, I love this stuff. I've been ramping up my own training now to like 85, 90 miles of running per week, getting ready for some marathons in um, in May and then the World Championships in London in October. And uh, honestly, I would never skip a day of um, Athletic Greens, especially if you're pushing your body uh, between COVID concerns and, and extensive training. Like I always make sure I get my Athletic Greens every day. These guys spend 10 years with the top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It has vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, and antioxidants. Considering Consider it an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. It's all you need to stay on top of your immunity with 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. No need for multivitamins or whatever else you're taking. Athletic Greens has you covered. Athletic Greens has given our listeners 10 free travel packs with their first purchase. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Simply visit athleticgreens.com atlas to claim the special offer of 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, athleticgreens.com atlas. Well, speaking of um, Bud Crawford, he was in the news um, in the past week. Potential fight with Manny Pacquiao on June 5th. Um, sounds like they're may- maybe in the Middle East. Um, but that could be an interesting matchup. I'd be, I was surprised. Oh, yeah. to, I was Let me surprised add to, one thing. Yeah. Can, I want to add one thing because I asked my man Rob to put something up with it, so I, how can I leave it out? After I asked my man Rob to put something up, I don't want to have him do work for nothing. So the last thing I want to attach to the, to the Herring fight with Frampton, when I talked about what this fight meant beyond just a title, which is a lot, what it meant to Herring about, you know, making things right. It reminded me, it reminded me of different circumstances, but the same neighborhood um, as far as searching and fighting for who you are, as Herring did, you know, Saturday night. It reminded me of the older Klitschko, Vitaly Klitschko. A lot of people are going to forget this, but... This is going to remind them. It made me go back. It made my mind go back to that where he wound up being a dominant heavyweight like his younger brother Vladimir. The two of them were dominant for what? I don't know, a decade. You know, they had their ups and downs, but then they were dominant. And it reminded me of Vitaly Vitaly when he, he had fought for the title. He was fighting Chris Bird. Now, Chris Bird was a small... He was a middleweight in the amateurs, and he moved up to heavyweight, small heavyweight, not a puncher, but he was a magnificent defensive fighter, Chris Bird. And he was together mentally pretty damn good. His, his parents trained him. They did a good job with him and a good person. And But he was really, really frustrating to fight. I mean, he was a tremendous defensive whiz. Really, I mean, he was he was to the point where those old timers would say to me, "Teddy, you can't hit this guy in the in the backside with a handful of buckshot if he stood right in front of you." I mean, he was that slick, and but Klitschko was fighting him, and Klitschko was towering over him, much much bigger than him, Vitaly Klitschko, and Klitschko quit. He quit. I think it was there to the ninth round, between the ninth and tenth round, but he he he. 
he gave up. I mean, he submitted. He, his arm was hurt. Whatever it was, it's what we're talking about. Where people don't want to see that in the champion. They don't want to see that in the ring. You're you're in the ring. You're special. You have special code. You you special. You know things you have to answer to, and that you have to abide by. They they didn't want to see that, and but he did. And when it was over with, you know, his arm got better. Whatever he went on to fight. Klitschko had to live with that. And it was obvious. He had to live with that. He couldn't win an, he could never win another title, another fight didn't mean anything until he won the fight over himself. He had to win that fight first. He had to redeem himself. He had to for him, for his life. And he wound up fighting the best heavyweight, the biggest heavyweight, the hardest punching heavyweight in the world at that time, for one punch at least, Lennox Lewis. He wound up, I forget how long after it was, but he went. He winds up being in a situation with a much more dangerous guy than Chris Bird, you know. Although Chris Bird could be dangerous in a way he could frustrate you. He could break you down if you let yourself get broken down mentally by making you miss, but not hurting you with a punch. Well, Lennox Lewis could hurt you with a punch. And so now he's in the ring now with Lennox Lewis. I don't know how many fights after that. And... He's fighting for the heavyweight title, and he gets hit with right hand. He he gets he takes everything, whatever he got hit with. He and he acted like a champion. He acted like a fighter, and he fought with everything you want a fighter to fight with. Ken, everything, and then he got a horrendous cut, and I mean horrendous, like you could see right through to his to his bone. I mean, uh, above the eye. It was bad. It was really bad. And he wanted to keep fighting. The doctor stopped the fight, rightfully so, with with uh, Klitschko. I mean, it was really... By the way, there was there was three years and six fights in between that fight and the uh, Lennox Lewis fight. So he never could call himself or consider himself a champion. He had to wait three years. I'm so glad you... Thank you for looking that up. He, he, was, he could not be what he needed to be until he exercised that ghost, if you will. I mean, much like, in some ways, Joe Lewis, when he got knocked out, when he was undefeated, he got knocked out on the way up. He gets knocked out by Schmeling, and then he wins the world title against Braddock, and he's, you know, he's got the world title. Everyone says, you're world champion. He goes, no, I'm not. What do you mean you're not world champion? You're world champion, Joe. Joe Lewis, my favorite heavyweight of all time, Ali right behind him. But he says, you're, you're world champ, Joe. No, I'm not. Not until I beat Schmeling. Not until I beat Schmeling. And and that's how he felt in, in his heart. And that's what it counts, how you feel in your heart, in your soul. And Klitschko was the same thing. And then he had to redeem himself. He had to redeem. He had to win that fight. And when he got in there with Lewis for the heavyweight title, and Lewis is... Again, he's the best heavyweight at that time in the world and, and a dangerous right-hand puncher. He redeemed himself. He, he fought hard. He, he, he took the punches, and he got cut, and he still wanted a fight. He, he insisted on going up, but the referee stopped it. It didn't matter that it got stopped on cuts. He won that night. He won. He won his soul back. He won it back. And I just needed to say that because that's what I'm talking about when I talk about what Herring needed to do and what he was fighting for. The same thing that Lennox, or I should say 
Vitaly Klitschko was fighting for when he fought Lennox Lewis. So, go ahead, go, go. Uh, thank you for letting me uh, put that in there. Of course, Pacquiao Crawford, June fifth, potential fight. What do you think? I think it might be the last fight for Pacquiao. I think it's a bad fight for Pacquiao, and I hate to see him go out that way. I love both guys. I think Crawford is pound for pound right now the best fight in the world. I know Canelo is up there. I know Spence is up there. For me, I have Crawford. I mean, we can only go by what we feel, what our taste is. For me, it's Crawford. He can fight inside, outside. He carried his power as he went up all these weight classes, three weight classes, I believe. He carried his power. He's He's got great trainers. He's, he's um, as I said, he knows how to control distance. He knows how to shorten up his game and go in there and throw short punches on the inside and own the trenches if he has to. Uh, you know, he... He, he he always behaves like a fighter. He reminds me in some ways of Sugar Ray Leonard in a way that Sugar Ray Leonard with the nice smile, nice guy, but he was a pit bulldog. Uh, he was a nasty guy. He was a mean guy when it came down to the fight, the way you, when it came to the fight. And Crawford's got that streak in him. You know, he, he's that pit bulldog. He's that mean guy when it comes down, you know, to really getting to the fight, to the moment. In, when you get to that place uh, you know he, he he's not giving anything up uh, you know he's got that mentality and I just I think that at this point in Pacquiao's career at 42 years of age I believe he's 42 listen he's done spectacular things his whole career he's done he's, he's done legendary things but he's been he's done extraordinary things late in his career beating you know beating the guys that he's winning the fight still at this at this stage of his life you know uh to beat thurman uh to, just to win the title again he's extraordinary and he is an extraordinary person what he does for the people of the philippines everything else and how he balances being a politician over there and still being a fighter it, it's amazing but i think it's the wrong fight for him I know the money's got to be right. If the money's there, I know it's going to be in the it's going to be in the Middle East. Probably they're looking for a place uh, to put it. Uh, I, I'm sure it's probably going to have to be uh, in Abu Dhabi or something like that because the money will be there. Uh, so if he gets the money, I guess that's a part of it. And listen, with Pacquiao, uh, he's so special. It's not just the money. He's going to believe he's going to win the fight because he's special. He's going to believe. I just think that Crawford's. I just think Crawford's the wrong style, the wrong talent at this point in his life um, for Pacquiao. Uh, I think he could take advantage of timing Pacquiao. Pacquiao was so fast, and he's still fast, but he was so quick. Not only was hands, but was feet to close a gap where he could do things wrong and make it right. He could he could break rules. He could run red lights and get away with it, you know, before the car came and crashed into him. I don't know if he could do that anymore. But when he runs those red lights, when he looks to get in and he starts from too far away, Crawford might time him on the way in. There might be a car crash. He might pay for running that light where in the past he didn't pay for it. He paid for it against Marquez though once and he got knocked out cold, oh, yeah. but he came back magnificently again and had another part of his career after that. So look, he's a special guy. He's got a special fan base behind him. They're probably going to be mad that I'm even pointing this out, but I'm pointing it out because that's what I do. That's what I'm here to do. Um, I love Pacquiao. I think both these guys are great. Uh, I, I just, uh, I just think that this could be the wrong one. Uh, for him, uh, you know, I'd rather see Crawford with Spence. 
I'd rather see a young guy with a young guy. I'd rather see a guy. I don't want to hear any more. We've heard it too many times, right, Ken? Yep. Where you get the big fights and you say, oh, it came five years too late. Too, too many times. Too many times. You know, oh, it came five years too late. Oh, it came seven years too late. Uh, uh, I don't want to hear that. And I think that's what you're probably going to hear uh, if this fight takes place. But I guess uh, being that it's Pacquiao and, and people want Crawford, you know, to fight a name, I guess uh, people will watch it, obviously. But, and, and listen, it, it's, it, it gets the job done for top rank. They're having trouble with Crawford. Uh, he was looking to leave them, but he signed to a contract. He's not happy. He's made it pretty public uh, in the past that he wasn't happy with them. But, you know, he signed the contract. He got paid at a certain point to to sign a renewal of the, you know, an extension of contract. He did. He's still there. Uh, this is a way of, uh, of Aram, you know, having his cake and eat it too. He keeps him there a little longer. You know, he keeps him there. He, he satisfies him with giving him a big name fight, a fight that's very winnable, but it is a big name, and a fight where you're going to get paid a lot of money. And, and you know, so it, it, you know, it takes care of things for Aram, uh, you know, uh, doing that, uh, you know. And um, uh, again, it's, it's just... I just hate to see a special guy, but it happens to too many of them. You know, I hated to see uh, Muhammad Ali go out against Holmes, and I love Holmes, but I hated to see that. To you know, we shouldn't have had to see that, but we saw it. We saw it, and it's. Uh, I hated to see Joe Lewis go out against Rocky Marciano, and I love both fighters. They're both special fighters, but that wasn't Joe Lewis anymore. When he fought Marciano. That wasn't close to Muhammad Ali when he fought Larry Holmes. And I don't know. Maybe Pacquiao's different. Maybe. But I don't know that it's going to be Pacquiao anymore when he fights Crawford. So that's, that's, my, that's my sense of it, Ken. That's my take. Yeah, he certainly he certainly looked good against Thurman, but again, that was two years ago. And like you said, he's now 42 years old. Perfect point. That's two years ago. I mean, and that was yep. extraordinary. That was extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. But that was two years. And this is a different guy than Thurman's a terrific fighter, terrific athlete. He is. But Thurman was coming off a couple of years of uh, being out with his injuries, with his surgery. He had one fight uh, before that, and it, he didn't look good. Uh, he he yeah. didn't look good. He didn't look good. He fought a nope. tough son of a gun. I know it, a game guy. But he got hit with punches. He got hurt. He didn't really look good, Thurman. He looked like he needed maybe two more fights before he fought a top fight again. And instead, he fights Pacquiao, and Pacquiao beats him. And again, taking nothing away from Pacquiao. But it was different. Thurman was different than Crawford's going to be. Uh, yeah, he was coming off that win over Jose Zito Lopez when Lopez had him hurt very badly. Yes, he could have easily lost that fight. Easily, I mean, could have he could have got stopped. I mean, it, it, yeah. it teetered on the on the brink of you know. Uh, Lopez was a guy moved up in weight, tough guy, game guy, but not a natural welterweight. You know, Thurman's a big welterweight. He's, he's more of a natural junior welterweight, uh, so he didn't have that kind of real power to really finish the job. But, but boy, he caught him with some big shots and had him hurt. 
Yeah. Uh, Keith had a razor-thin decision over Danny Garcia, then had two years off with injuries, then got in with Lopez, almost got stopped, then jumped right back in with uh, Pacquiao and lost. So and, and, and we haven't seen Thurman in two years either, so curious to see what happens with him as well. And again, I think this fight might be, look, it's good for Crawford, I think. It's good for, as I said, for the promoter for Aram. He can, you know, he can make the executives at ESPN say, wow, you brought a big name. Oh, you know, so he'll make everyone happy. It'll be good for him for the moment uh, or that. But at the end of the day, um, the iconic fighter right now, the, the legend Pacquiao, uh, I, I again, is he going to go down that road? That's what this is about for me. Is he going to go down that road, unfortunately, that too many of our legends go down? You know, I remember my, my one of my heroes, one of my, I didn't really have heroes when I was young, it was my father, but one of the guys I really l- looked up to um, was Willie Mays. And um, I was young, you know, I was a young kid, but I love Willie Mays. Oh my, and I love Mickey Mantle. And when Willie Mays got traded, got traded to the Mets, um, as much as people in New York were happy, uh, it was terrible because he wasn't Willie Mays anymore. He wasn't Willie Mays anymore. And when he was out there making those basket catches, Ken, oh, he was special. <laughs> He'd make those ba- well, He couldn't make a basket catch anymore. And it was very sad. And look, the difference is nobody was punching him in the face, thank God. Right? <laughs> okay, exactly. I, I get it. But I don't want to see that in any of the, uh, any of our uh, legends, any of our special people, athletes. You know that that are heroes to a lot of people. I I don't want to see it, and I definitely don't want to yeah. see it in a fighter again, again. And maybe we won't, but I think there's the risk that we will. That's all. Well. Coming up this weekend, your fa- one of your favorite fighters is in action. Joe Smith Jr. taking on uh, seasoned veteran Maxime Velasov. Velasov is 45-3. and three. All three losses coming by decision. Um, be good to see Joe Smith in action again. Not sure how competitive the fight will be, but uh, I love watching Joe Smith fight. You know why you love him? Because you love that you know, you can trust that every time he gets in a ring, you know what you're going to see, everything that he has. 100%. That's, that's yep. why you love him. That's why you love him. And he doesn't have one talent where, you know, he, he stands out, he's got that neon talent where he was gifted, you know, by genetics or this or that, where you say, oh, my God, he's so fast. Oh, my God, he's so this. Oh, my God, he's so slick. He's not, he doesn't have any of those, but he's got the one that's most important, his, his determination and his grit, and his character, that he's going to get in that ring and bring everything he can and everything he has. And that's enough. That's enough. He, he's, he's a blue-collar guy that brings his lunch pail. You know, literally, yeah, laborers uh, union. Uh, really, that's, I think, uh, you're right. That's a perfect, I didn't even realize that as I was making that analogy. But yeah, I'm glad you, you helped me with that and you put that perfect. I mean, that's what he is. He's bringing his union card, <laughs> you know, and and he he's staying overtime, baby. <laughs> he he's he's making overtime, and um, not just not just union, <laughs> labor's, labor's union. union, labor's union, and that's how he does it. He does it with physicality, with determination, you know, with belief, with heart, with soul. Um, you know, he he beats guys that are slicker than him. You know that that um, uh, the fight that he that he won against Eliander Gonzalez. What was this? Uh, the guy that had knocked out 
um, Kovalev. Um, you know, he beat him. Alvarez, Alvarez, Alito Alvarez, I believe. Elder, Al- Elder Alvarez. Yeah. Now, yep. Alvarez was slicker. He was, you know, more polished, all those things. But he wasn't one thing more. He wasn't more determined. He didn't have a bigger heart. <laughs> he, you know, he wasn't more possessed to win. And, and uh, even, you know, and, and like I said, that's a guy who could not only box, but could punch. He knocked out Kovalev. And... What did Smith do? He just broke him down. He just broke him down in the late in the late rounds, and that's what he does. You know, he looks to break you down. Uh, you know, again, he's you know he's a blue collar guy that you know uh, that brings his lunch pail and uh, brings his union card, and he he shows up to work every time. Uh, he, he's a hard guy not to like. He's a hard guy not to like. Yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to find someone that doesn't like Joe Smith. If you're a fan of boxing, I, I can't think of any reason why someone wouldn't like him. But uh, anyway, we'll have that to look forward to. There's a UFC event this weekend as well. And um, yeah, thanks for doing this today, Teddy. It's great talking to you as always. Uh, once again, the new Box Raw collection coming soon. The Teddy Atlas 36 collection. Check it out online, boxraw.com. And uh Yeah, we'll be back with you guys next week. Thanks for being here, and I appreciate the support as always. Thanks, Ken, and I know you're looking to get those. You're looking to get a couple of these. You'll get them. (laughs) You'll get them. Come on. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks.